So the title of my talk today is What's Got You Bent Out of Shape? What's Got You Bent Out of Shape? Some of us could probably rattle off a list of things, right? But uh, we're going to continue on to this uh, passage in Luke as uh, Pastor Mike has been taking us through the readings in Luke. We're just going to continue on with that today. If we did a poll here, we're not going to do that, but if we did a poll, uh, we would all be able to recognize at some point in our lives we've all been either hurt or ignored. Maybe you've been talked over at work. Maybe it's by family members. Maybe people think you to be more solid or more grounded, so everyone else's issues are more important than yours. Or maybe people have skipped over you in social situations because maybe you're a bit awkward or maybe you're not like someone else. It's not only frustrating, it's also a little bit degrading. So we're going to talk about this woman that we read of in Luke 13 who is looked down upon and how Jesus shows, even though she's physically the one bent out of shape, people's hearts and attitudes in that whole crowd just as easily are bent over and need to be straightened out. Uh, if you need a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there is a shelf at the back of the, the sanctuary. It's full of Bibles. Uh, I've said it before. I didn't get in trouble, so I'll say it again. If you do not own a Bible... You can help yourself and take one of those and claim it as your own. Feel free to take one. It's God's love letter to you. Uh, the passage is also in your bulletin in Luke 13. You can look at that. Um, here in Luke 13, this is the last time that Jesus is going to visit a synagogue before he goes to Jerusalem. So he's on his way to the cross at this point. This woman was afflicted physically, attacked spiritually, and affected socially. This woman was suffering for 18 years. 18 years. She was bent over. And the Greek word that's used here, it literally means stooped. She's stooped over, and she still comes to basically what is church, the synagogue. Now, she didn't drive there. She would have had to shuffle her way over, and she would have been looking at her own feet the whole time. She wouldn't be able to look up. She was stooped over and shuffling her way to church. Now, most scholars and doctors think they know what condition of the spine she had at this point. Um, they think it's common to someone or a woman between the ages of 18 and 30. So this one probably wasn't that old. Maybe she was mid-40s, mid-50s. But she was suffering with this condition for 18 years where the spine actually fuses together. It would have been so easy for her to say, it's been 18 years of dealing with this. I'm done. I'm not going to, I'm tired of shuffling my way to church. But she went. She was still there. She goes to church even though she's still bent over because she's, she knows that there's no better place that she could be but listening to the Word of God even when it hurts. And we do the same thing even though we don't feel like it sometimes. We're still here. Bent over woman still came. She was there because she decided to go still. Now, if you do the math, and if you figure 18 years that she was going, she would have been at over a 1,000 synagogue services. She wasn't healed yet. She still came. Service after service, and she still believed in God. She persisted in her faith and obedience. We don't know if she expected Jesus to be there in the synagogue that day. We don't know if she expected that it would be her day for a miracle. She showed up, and Jesus showed up. 
good things, redemptive things, and eternal things happen when you find yourself in the presence of Jesus. It's not as much as her being physically impaired, but of course Jesus looks at her heart, and he knows the hearts of all the others that are there in that synagogue service. Now, maybe none of us are literally bent over, stooping around. I said stooping, not stupid. I don't mean just physically, but also spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Some of us are crooked. So what's got you bent out of shape? Some of us are bent out of shape, maybe because it's something that your spouse did. And Candace not being here today, that's nothing to do with that, don't worry. She's off camping with Matthew right now. Um, Maybe it's something that happened on your way here this morning. Maybe it's something that someone has said or done. Or maybe it's something that someone has said or done years ago. It doesn't have to be a physical affliction. Although for many of us, we have that too in our bodies. We have all been bent out of shape by something. But despite this woman's affliction, she still shows up. It's important to note that she was oppressed. She was crippled by a spirit. Now, she was not possessed by a spirit. Jesus dealt with her infirmity, which is also dealing with this oppression. Christians that know and have a relationship with God and walk with the power of the Holy Spirit cannot be possessed. Now, most of the time, our illnesses are just that. They're illnesses, which is our lives and our choices, whether it's something that we eat or whether it's germs that we expose ourselves to. We don't need to blame every cold and every stomach ache on the devil. The point here is that believers can come under the attack of the enemy. And the enemy will seek for ways to bind our lives and to hinder us from being all that God wants us to be. So what has you bound this morning? Sin, bitterness, temptation, hatred, unforgiveness, guilt, addiction, lust, envy, greed, religion, fear, worry, or finances. Thankfully, in Romans 8.28, it tells us that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Just this past week in our uh, Wednesday morning Bible study, we talked about how in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul had this thorn in in his flesh, and we don't know what it was. And he's pleading with God three times to take it away, and finally he gets an answer from God that it's how out of Paul's weakness that God's grace is even more sufficient. Believe it or not, we, have, we can have people in the church that are also bent out of shape. And I don't mean just physically, but we can have people that are stooped over in their hearts that can't straighten out on their own. We can be in the church or serve in the church and still fall short. You can be bent out of shape by, by fear, by apprehension, by worry, something that someone has said or done to you. Mark 2.17, Jesus tells us that it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that is all of us. Because according to Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So if you're bent out of shape by something, there's hope for you. You're in good company. Maybe it's not a physical bend in your back that has you stooping around, but Jesus is the only one that can straighten you out. 
this bent-over, crippled woman represents all of us that are caught up in fear, anxiety, anger, hurt, frustration. Maybe you just feel one of these things that the woman felt. Maybe it's not a physical affliction. Maybe it's a spiritual attack. Or maybe socially you feel like an outcast. No matter what has you bent out of shape, it's beyond our control to fix ourselves. It's also interesting that we don't know this woman's name. Luke never tells us. Now, Luke, being a doctor, and most doctors focus on the most important details. And I feel that Luke does that here. He focuses on the most important details. I don't know what your doctor is like, but mine focuses on the details as well. Uh, I try to make small talk with him. He's pretty focused on making notes, on trying to figure out what my condition is, why I'm there. I've tried small talk with him. I don't get very far, but he does a very good job. I'm still here. <laughs> He's a good doctor. I don't see him here today. So that's a good thing. But he is a good doctor. And uh, I'm also getting used to this point in my life. Some of you are beyond that, but my doctor is the same age as me. So I know as I get older, probably my doctors and nurses will be younger. So there's also the humility in that. Uh, my doctor, he's tanned, and I'm not. My doctor is wealthy, and I'm not. Uh, my doctor is fit, and I'm not so much. <laughs> but uh, I sometimes am guilty of comparisons as well. But Luke doesn't tell us the woman's name. Why doesn't he tell us her name? Well, her name isn't as important as her condition is, and also the condition of Jesus' opponent's hearts. Jesus is going to use her crippled back to point to something that's even more important. Just as he can use your ailment, or the thing that's got you bent out of shape, to point to something or someone that is more important. Now notice how she isn't trying to call out or draw attention to herself in this passage of Scripture. No, Jesus notices her and calls out to her. Point number two, Jesus gave the cure, attacked the cause, and addresses the critics. I like what Luke says in verse 12. Jesus saw her and called her forward. It was a call for her to come into action, to come forward. Now, this woman was stooped over. She was probably in pain anyways. But Jesus called her to put her faith into action. Jesus could have gone to her. But then Jesus put his hands on her and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Or if you like the King James Version, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now, some of us have maybe witnessed supernatural or instantaneous healings, and maybe you've been part of one. Maybe you've been the person praying or laying hands on someone. Or maybe you're the one that's still waiting for a physical or supernatural healing. Thankfully, there's no set formula that Jesus does this in the Bible. It's not a, an eight-step process. He heals people whether they're in front of him or not. He tells the man to go home. His daughter has been made well. Sometimes he uses spit and mud and puts it on the person's eyes. Thankfully, we don't have to do that every time. Now, the woman's name isn't given here, but Jesus does call her a daughter of Abraham. Even though Luke doesn't tell, her, tell us her name, Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham to remind her and everyone else that is there that she is part of this covenant, covenant community. 
Because remember, women and people with disabilities were looked down upon and not included uh, with the culture of that day. She would have been seen as unclean. But here, Jesus is saying that she belongs. She is part of this community. What Jesus does is complete the healing, and as, as a result, she turns to praise. Jesus simply says the words, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And she straightens up and praises. She doesn't just sit back down quietly. She doesn't just take her seat. But she praised God. There's a fullness to her restoration. Just as her condition was more than physical, her healing is more than physical as she gives thanks to God. As she straightens up, she can actually see everyone else. She can see the eyes of Jesus. She's restored to stand up straight and confidently. I like the wording and the description that is used here, both by Jesus and by Luke, of being bound and being set free. Not just straightened out, not just healed, but set free from the infirmity. Not only is she set free from spiritual bondage, Jesus is going to point out that she was also set free from the bondage of the law. Now, notice how the synagogue leader reacts. It's kind of crazy. This is a a prime example of someone that's a little passive-aggressive. He has an issue with Jesus. And who does it say he turns to in verse 14? He turns, uh, it says, indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The leader says to the people. So he doesn't even address Jesus directly. He turns and addresses the people. This leader has an issue with someone, and he turns to someone else about it. Now that never happens today, does it? We have an issue with someone or something, someone or someone has said or done something, and we go and take up the issue with someone else. And we go try to get others on our side is the first thing that we do. This can make us bent out of shape. It's also interesting how Jesus treats the synagogue leader. The leader speaks up and doesn't get angry at Jesus. He doesn't even doubt the healing that Jesus did. But he's upset, he's indignant, because Jesus healed on that Sabbath day. He's angry about what day of the week it was. See, back then, healing was considered work, uh, because it was part of a profession of being a doctor. Practicing your profession on the Sabbath was prohibited. So then, here Jesus comes, and he's healing someone. He takes away someone's job. This synagogue leader is is missing the point altogether. It's kind of ironic that we have Dr. Luke recording all this in Scripture for us. The leader doesn't try to refute what Jesus has done. He doesn't try to say the woman isn't healed. But he's more worried about his control of binding people to this narrow interpretation of the law. But Jesus comes to give freedom and freedom to follow the intent of the law. The kingdom of God has come through Jesus. And Jesus has freed us from the bondage of the law. Jesus doesn't reject the law or say that it's out of date. He argues from the point of view that the Mosaic law, from the Mosaic law that today is the best day for healing. Because it's the Sabbath, this woman needs to be set free. She needs to be set free from her affliction. Just as people take care of their animals on the Sabbath and lead them out for water, more so this woman needs to be set free from what has her bent out of shape. In the Gospels, we have seven recorded miracles that Jesus does on the Sabbath. In Mark 1, uh, Jesus sends a demon out of a man. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. In John 5, uh, Jesus heals a lame man by the pool of Bethesda. Mark 3, uh, he heals a man with a shriveled hand. Luke 14, we're going to read of in a few more weeks. 
Jesus heals a man with abnormal swelling. And in John 9, he heals a man that's born blind. Uh, and today we're talking about how he straightens up this crippled woman. So the Sabbath is obviously important to Jesus, but not at all in the same way that it was important to this Jewish leader. See, over the centuries, Jewish leaders added rule after rule to God's law, expanding on it. When in fact, God's law back in Exodus 20 said the Sabbath was a day of rest, these leaders thought they were doing the right thing in adding law after law over time. And eventually that brought the total of laws to 613 laws. They even created one specifically saying that you cannot heal on the Sabbath. So Jesus healed seven times that we know of on the Sabbath. And in doing this, he was challenging the leaders to look beyond their own rules and to look to the true purpose of having these rules, to look to the intent of the law. Boiled down to two commandments that we talked about a few weeks ago in Luke uh, 10:27, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus quotes this from Deuteronomy. So the Sabbath that Jesus brings shows us that it isn't as much about time off as it is about time on and loving God and loving people rather than just loving the letter of the law. It's about creating an attitude that even um, for those who seem in, who feel insignificant, um, we need to treat them with dignity. We need to be shepherds of wholeness and completeness that only Jesus can provide. In Matthew 11:28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, of course, he isn't talking about an egg yoke, but a yoke is a type of harness that would cover livestock to keep them together, to keep them going on the same path and keep them in line. I also like how the message translation puts that. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. So what hope does Jesus offer here? Yes, he can free us from a physical addiction or affliction uh, like this crippled woman. But we still live every day with this painful fact that life is difficult. Where is the freedom? Well, we know that freedom is going to be fully attained in heaven. But Jesus also has the power to set us free from being bent out of shape, whether that's a physical affliction, a spiritual attack, or a social injustice. He wants to do a work of grace in our lives. Now, we are his children. We need to work on removing our prejudiced, prejudiced attitude of ourselves and of others. Now, there once was uh, a church that had a man in the choir that couldn't sing. And uh, several people had hinted to him that, hey, maybe you should find somewhere else in the church to serve. I don't think the choir is your thing. And uh, he wasn't getting it. So eventually, this, uh, the choir director went to the, the priest and he said, you've got to do something about this man. He's driving me nuts in the choir, and people are going to start to leave. I'm going to start to leave. So this priest went to the man and said, perhaps you should leave the choir. And the man said, well, why should I get out of the choir? Well, five or six people have told me that you can't sing. 
that's nothing, the man said. Fifty people have told me that you can't preach. (laughs) Do we have a judgmental attitude or a joyous attitude? So how does the synagogue leader respond? Not really sure, but the passage tells us that they, being the opponents of Jesus, were humiliated. They were ashamed. They knew they were in the wrong. Maybe some people had a change of heart after hearing Jesus correct the hypocrites, but we really don't know. Just as Jesus got fired up about the scriptures being twisted to keep this woman crippled, we also need to challenge our thoughts and our patterns that can leave people captive or stooping around. Jesus has set us free, and he holds our healing in his hands. In one of my favorite books uh, written by C.S. Lewis, uh, The Screwtape Letters, there's a lot of fictional conversation between um, Screwtape and his nephew Wormwood uh, and how they keep people oppressed and away from Jesus. They're, they're two demons, and it's all fictional. Uh, Screwtape says, It's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Sometimes it's our own eyes, our own ears, that aren't open to the things of God. I was going to use that quote from Screw Tape on the bulletin this week, but I thought I'd use something a little bit more inspiring. It was a quote from Graham Cook. But Jesus wants to heal and restore you, just like he did for this crippled woman. And I love that passage in Isaiah that, that Lynn also read earlier. That's what we want to be known as. We want to be known as a restorer of broken walls. We want to be the, the mortar that draws people to Jesus. Point number three, this woman was in the right place at the right time. She was in the right place at the right time. So are all of us here in the presence of Christ, worshiping him. This woman just kept showing up for 18 years. She didn't know what day her miracle was coming. All she did was be obedient and have faith, and God took care of the rest. God tells us in Psalm 146, 7 and 8, that the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind, and the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, and the Lord loves the righteous. This woman proclaimed the victory. She stood up and praised. The right place and the right time for all of us and for any of us is when we are in the presence of Jesus and also when we are present to Jesus. To Jesus, Out of our humility, out of our obedience, and out of our faith, we can come before him. We are here ready and waiting for a miracle. Whether you have been set free from a physical affliction, or whether you need to be set free, whether your mind is in bondage, something can also have us bent out of shape. And Jesus wants to be the one to straighten you up today. He wants you to live in the freedom that he's given you, trading your heavy burdens for his light ones. Jesus lifts our burdens, whether that's a physical affliction or a spiritual attack or our own fears, doubts, and hurts that separate us from him. Just like this crippled woman gets straightened out from what has her bent out of shape, we also want to take every opportunity for Jesus' healing power to release us from what has us bent out of shape. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come back and worship prepare. And I also want the prayer team to be available on the side. But we've been given a new identity because of Jesus. And we respond with praising. Now, I don't claim to have 
a healing ministry or power on my own other than what comes from God. I've prayed for many people. Most weren't healed instantly. There's very few that were. But I've seen amazing miracles done when people pray for one another. I can't deny the power of God when I see him move like that. I don't know why some people are healed, some people aren't, whether it takes 18 years, whether it takes 40 years, or whether it takes a lifetime. But we need to be ready and willing and waiting for a miracle. Just like humility, obedience, and faith in Jesus was enough for this crippled woman, it's enough for us. When we know and when we acknowledge that we are bent out of shape, that's where we need to look to the one who can set us free. Now, 20 years ago, uh, most of you know that I play piano, and maybe you've seen that music stand kind of moving around, and I do have a bit of a heavy touch. But uh, 20 years ago, actually, doctors told me that I had an early-onset case of arthritis in both hands. I was having a lot of sharp pain. Uh, My joints weren't moving like they were supposed to. And uh, I remember later on in that week, we had a church service, and I just shared that with the rest of the team at the church that I was going to then. And uh, leaders came, prayed for me, anointed me with oil. And uh, after a lot of prayers, a lot of persistence, uh, I felt freedom in my hands. I felt chains being loosed. And thank you. Praise God. So even today, there's the odd twinge of pain I still get. I don't consider that a burden. I don't consider my healing not there. But I consider that a reminder of God's goodness. I can work through that pain easily. I can still function. But it's a reminder to me of the goodness of God and how he moves. There's power when we pray for one another. There's nothing special about the power of a pastor. There's nothing special about this position. But there is special power available to us when we turn our hearts, when we turn our gaze, when we turn our focus to him. Just like that crippled woman was bent over, she was ready and willing to hear from God, and Jesus called her forward. He calls us forward too. Now, I've shared this from the front before, that when Candace and I first got married, we were told that we weren't able to have kids, that it would never happen. And, yeah, that was, that was a downer. That was devastating. Um, five years, we went to different doctors, different tests, different healing ministries, different evangelists. People prayed for us. Still nothing happened. After five years, God answered our prayers, and we're blessed with three beautiful kids. I'm amazed at the miracle that God's given us. Praise God. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. So we know that, God, you still do amazing things, and that you want to do amazing things in our life. Just like this crippled woman heard your voice, and came to you because you called her Lord, we also come to you with our hearts, with our minds laid bare. Some of us are carrying heavy burdens, Lord. Some of us are being attacked spiritually. Some of us have emotional scars, Lord, of things that have happened in the past, things that have been said. Some of us have physical afflictions, Lord, parts of our body that need to be restored, parts of our body that aren't working like they should, Lord. Thank you that we can turn to you, Lord. We can turn to you in our humility. We can turn to you in obedience. We can turn to you 
and our frailty, Lord. We know that you designed our bodies. You knit us together in our mother's womb. We know that you want good things for your children, Lord. Just like you use this woman as an example in the synagogue, Lord. You can use each one of us as a testimony of your greatness, Lord. Holy Spirit, you'd flow through our body. You'd flow through our mind. You'd help us to remove these burdens that hold us down. Holy Spirit, move in this place.